Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. We are the sum of our decisions and these decisions shape our lives, which is why it's so important that we carefully consider and know what God's will is for those decisions. And we can know that. If you wanna know God's will for your life, you have to be a person of the book. What is God's will for your life? Is it a secret? What does he want you to do? Discerning God's will remains one of the most puzzling aspects of Christianity. But today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt begins a timely new series all about decision-making. We're learning how to make wise decisions that conform to God's will with a look at Romans 12, verse 2. You can listen online at thejourney.fm. And after the message, you'll learn about a wonderful resource that goes hand-in-hand with this practical series. But now, here's Pastor Steve. It is no stretch uh, for me to say that there is no aspect of Christianity that I believe there is more confusion regarding than the whole matter of how to know God's will for your life. And I'm in a unique position to see that, I think, because many people will be facing some decision, and so they will want to get some counsel or help or guidance or something from from a pastor. And I have had many people that have come to me and have said, hey, I'm looking for some wisdom on this. You know, what do you think? And so I'll be listening to them, and no matter what the decision is, it always gets down to this, something like this, where they say, I'm not sure what to do, but I really want to do what God wants me to do. And they get it down, they get it to the God level in the decision. And first of all, I want to say that wanting God to be a part of your decision and wanting to know what God wants you to do is vital and is something that the scripture applauds. Nothing wrong with that. It's something that every Christian here should say, that's, that's, a, that's a given for me. What is distressing to me is to hear how many people come to make the decisions that they end up making. Good Christian people, well-meaning Christian people. You ever see some people make a decision or ever see someone make a decision and you look at it and you say to yourself, what were they thinking? Ever do that? Have anything in your life that you look back on and you say to yourself, what was I thinking in making that Decision. Well, what if I told you in this little series of messages that we're going to do that I am going to use the Word of God to tell you what God's will is for your life? I'm going to do that. I can tell you, not me, but the Word of God can tell you what God's will is for your life. Now, that would be something you would be interested in, wouldn't it? I mean, think of how much Dr. Phil makes telling people what to do with their life. People tune in, they're all interested, they buy his books and all that. We don't charge anything for you to come here and to be told what you're supposed to do, what God's will is for your life. We do take up an offering. (laughs) But we all want to know what to do, don't we? In the big decisions, in the small decisions of life, we want to know. And we struggle sometimes, oftentimes, with what is the right course of action? What What should I do? These are called decisions. It's been said that we are the sum 
of our decisions. We can look at our lives and see where we are today and see the decisions that have brought us to this place, whether it be who we marry, what school we went to, what job or career I decided to go into, uh, this decision to move here, this decision to do that, it has produced who we are today. We are the sum of our decisions. And these decisions shape our lives, which is why it's so important that we carefully consider and know what God's will is for those decisions. And we can know that. We can. In fact, I do not believe that God wants his children wandering around, walking around, full of anxiety, wondering all the time, what am I supposed to do? And what if I've made a decision in the past that wasn't what God wanted me to do, and now I'm out of God's will for the rest of my life, and then what does that mean? It's just stupid, okay? We don't want to be that way, although all too often we are. God wants us to know what his will is, and he has made that will known. And so we're going to do a little series on how to know God's will for your life. And there is one, there's many verses on this, we're going to look at many of them, but the key verse, the main theme verse for this series is Romans 12, verse 2. I'd like you to turn there if you have your Bibles. Romans 12, verse 2. This is a verse that many of you are familiar with, but maybe we have not really carefully considered the implications for it in the decisions that we are making. Romans 12, 2. We'll begin in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now the end of the verse describes really the goal here, and that is knowing and doing God's will. So how do we get there? And that's what the previous part of the verse describes for us. There is something that we are not to do, there is something that we are to do, and then it produces the goal of knowing and doing the will of God. So first of all, notice that there is something that we are not to do. We are not to live according to the world's values and philosophies. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now the word there for conform stresses the outward aspect of conformity, the outward shape of our lives. It is the, uh, in the passive tense, which means it is something that is being done to us. And the imagery here is of the world who is pressing and pushing and squeezing us on all sides. And this isn't a physical squeezing, it is a philosophical and ideological of value squeezing. They're trying to shape the way that we look at life, the way that we think, the things that we value. They're wanting to shape those things in our life. It's the world. And obviously, what we see right away here is that knowing and doing God's will is fundamentally a matter of knowing and thinking. It is a matter of right thinking, which leads to right living. And the world is trying very much to force a kind of thinking upon us. And the world's will and God's will are completely incompatible. Okay, so we have this battle, this war that is going on that Paul says we are not to let the world 
win. This, of course, is what the Israelites were all the time failing at. You know, the Israelites, if you were here last Sunday night, we did our walk through the Old Testament. The Israelites eventually make their way into the promised land. And once they get to the promised land, uh, problems develop. This was the land flowing with milk and honey. They, they came into the country. They went into houses they didn't build. They ate from vineyards that they didn't plant. And yet there was a problem, wasn't there? It was all of these ites around them. The uh, Amalekites and the Midianites and the Philistines and all those other countries that were constantly trying to conform the Israelites to their kind of thinking, to their value system. And God said to them on many occasions, here, here, occasions here's a couple, of how they are supposed to handle this attempt at conforming them. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. The idols of the world. In Deuteronomy 12, God says this to them. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. You must not worship the Lord your God their way. You are not to think the way that they think. You are not to value what they value. You are not to worship what they worship. And you certainly are not to worship God the way that they worship their gods. Don't do it. Don't think the way that they think. Don't value what they value. Yet it was all around them. And if you read the story of Israel, it's the story of the Israelites perpetually giving in to that conformity and then God sending a prophet or sending a judge to bring the people back around to thinking the way that they were supposed to think. But constantly this is going on and it would be naive for us to say, well, that's the way the people of God were in the Old Testament. The people of God today, we don't struggle with that, do we? No. No, we do, don't we? And every day that we live in this world, there is a squeezing that is going on. There is a value set and an ideology and a philosophy that the world is trying to press down upon us so that we think the way that they want us to think. And we live according to their godless philosophies. So the first thing we need to recognize is that we will never be able to fulfill God's will for us, know it or do it, if we are thinking the way that the world thinks because we will then live the way that the world lives, which is, again, incompatible with what God's will is for us. So step number one, don't do that. Do not conform to the world and what they value. But there is something to do now, and the to do is just the rest of the verse there. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the word there for transformed is a wonderful word. Metamorpho is the Greek word. It, says, it means this, to change the essence of something. Metamorpho. Does that sound like anything that maybe you might have heard before? What is the obvious answer? What's the word? Metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis. It is a change of the essence of the thing. And here Paul says that he is, that God is metamorphosizing us changing the essence of who we are from what we were into what he wants us to be. And as sinners, our way of thinking, our way of living prior to the grace of God coming to us in the gospel 
was ugly, wasn't it? Not something we want to look at or think about. But we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we heard about the cross, and we heard that there was a grace to be found, and that sins could be forgiven, and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, Son of God, fully man, raised from the dead three days later. We heard this message, and we believed the message, and from that moment on, there was this changing of the essence of who we are that begun, not outward conformity, but an inward change of the heart where now I begin to look at things and value things differently than I did before. And it's so wonderful to see that change going on in other people's lives and in our own lives, right? I mean, if we have people here, they'll, be, they'll come to know the Lord as their Savior. And all of a sudden, things start sort of changing in their life. They sort of look at the way that their, their marriage is going a little bit differently. And they begin to look at the way of their, that their, their time and their money and their effort and their talents. And they start looking at things differently, and it begins to sort of change. There is a change that takes place when Jesus Christ comes into your life. It metamorphosizes you, and you begin to look at things differently and value different things than you did before. Now, the verse continues by saying the means of this happening, by the renewing of your mind. How does the metamorphosis take place? By the renewing, notice it's renewing, not newing, the renewing of our mind. Now, why would he say renewing instead of a new mind? Here's why. Because our minds were made to think a particular way by God. We were designed by God to think the same way that Adam and Eve thought before the fall. How did Adam and Eve know what the will of God was prior to the fall? By nature, right? By instinct. They were morally pure. God designed them to live consistent with what he wanted them to think and do at all times. So they walked around, they didn't walk around every day saying, hmm, I wonder what God's will is for my life today. They just lived their lives. And instinctively, by nature, they fulfilled the will of their heavenly father until the day they ate of the tree. And from that moment on, there was a change that took place in their mind and in their heart. No longer was it instinctive to do what God wanted them to do. Now it was something that was, was counter-instinctive. Their nature now was to do sin, to be selfish, to be self-absorbed, and to not fulfill the will of the Father. This is the way that Ephesians 4.18 describes an unrenewed mind. Here it is. They, we could put in there we, prior to salvation, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. And all around us, friends, this very week, we have seen this society live with an unrenewed mind. That TV set that you have at home, you could, this, it's an unrenewed TV set. Everything that's coming through there is unrenewed. The billboards that you see as you drive down the road, they should put signs on the top of them saying, unrenewed, darkened in our understanding, but this is what we think life is all about. Separated from the life of God, but this is what you're supposed to value. That's the world. So after the fall, everything changed, which leads to the question, how does God make his will known to people who have unrenewed minds? 
and no longer instinctively fulfill his will. What are you going to do now? Well, I will tell you what God did. So that we could know his will, God spoke his will and he wrote it down. God spoke his will and he wrote it down. I'm going to say it a third time because you've got to understand this. When God wanted us to know his will, he spoke it and he wrote it down. The spoken word of God is what was heard by the prophets. The writing of it down is what was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that what we have right here is the revealed will of God for us. Right here. Nowhere else. Right here. Completely sufficient. All that we need for life and godliness, as Paul Tripp talked about last week. This is his revealed will. And he spoke it to us and he wrote it down so that we could always have it. And always refer to it. And always know that we have his will. God's word is his will. Bethel, we have got to love that truth. God's word is his will. This is his will for us. So that a renewed mind now, metamorphosized beginning at the moment of salvation, now is a mind that is captured by the word of God. And how many times have I done this? I'm going to do it again. I don't care. You're going to go to your death, your, your grave, and they're going to say, Pastor Steve, what was his ministry like? That's all he did every single Sunday. He put his Bible on top of his head, and he looked at us through his Bible. What is a renewed mind? It is a mind that filters everything through the truth of God's word and now looks at life always this way. It's a renewed mind. So that what is key here is discovering then. Bethel, listen. Discovering that God's will and knowing God's will for our life is not a matter of finding some new revelation, some new thing that, oh, now I know what God's will is for my life. Rather, it is the process of knowing and meditating and applying the wisdom that God has given us in his word. You want to know what God's will is for your life? You don't have to look any further than right here. And I'm going to unpackage that here in the next couple of weeks for us. Now, what does a renewed mind look like? And the rest of the verse tells us that. He says, then, okay, once you have a renewed mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so what does a renewed mind do? First of all, it tests what God's will is. This means that it knows the word of God. It is able to test the opportunity or test the decision based upon what God's word says about that. Or if it's silent on that, what wisdom says about that decision. You ever take a test in school and walk out of there going, I didn't know nothing. What did that test reveal? The fact that you didn't have enough knowledge to evaluate the questions and know what the right decision was. The same thing happens for us. We have opportunities that come our way. We have decisions to make about this, that, and the other. And when we don't have enough knowledge of God's word in order to evaluate the dilemma or the, 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 the decision, we don't have the ability to make a wise and informed decision that fulfills the will of God in that matter. You gotta know the word of God. The decisions of life are evaluated, evaluated with the question, is this something God's word commands? If it does, then it's, a, then it's a no-brainer. I know what to do. Is this something that God's word allows? But maybe there is some other consideration. Christian liberty, stumbling brother, whatever it might be. Is this something that uh, the scripture uh, encourages? Then I know also what I'm supposed to do. This is something I'm supposed to do. 
What does God have to say on the matter? So one obvious requirement, if you want to know God's will for your life, is that you have to be a person of the book. May God make the people at Bethel here, all of us, people of the book. People who are committed to this word, treasuring it, holding it high, as the church is called to do, 1 Timothy 3.15, as the pillar and foundation of the truth, and applying it to my life always, so that we know what God wants. Here's the second. A renewed mind isn't just knowing, but also applying and delighting to apply that truth. He says, approve what God's will is. Test it and also approve it. It's not just knowing what is right, but also a heart that wants to do that right thing. How many times have you heard somebody say this about somebody else, some, some person that they know, some uh, a professing Christian? Boy, that brother, I tell you what, he knows the Bible back and forth, but what? He's not living it, right? He's not living it. You can know the Bible back and forth. You can quote the New Testament. You can know all the Greek. You can know all the theology. It doesn't matter if your heart isn't delighting in that truth in such a way that not only do you want to know what God wants, you want to do it. See? It's both. It's the knowing and the doing. It's the knowledge and the delighting in that leads the person to fulfilling God's will for their life. More to say here, but finally, just, just to add that he describes uh, the person who's living this way as good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, Test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And these adjectives describe God's perspective on decisions that we make according to his will. Okay, As if he's in heaven saying, good decision. Good decision. Ah, that's, that's pleasing. That's pleasing to me. Like a parent who secretly is watching their children and sees their children doing what they hope and want them to do. Anybody here want that from the Lord? So I hope that you can see the process here in this verse. I do not live according to the world around me. I don't value what they value. I don't believe what they say. I'm not bound by their philosophies. I seek transformation in my life by renewing my mind, which only comes through a knowledge and application of God's word, within which I have freedom to make wise and thoughtful decisions in life. That was Pastor Steve DeWitt reminding us of the importance of God's Word in shaping our thoughts and guiding our decisions. You're listening to The Journey and a message called God's Will for My Life. Is it a secret? If you happen to tune in late today and missed any part of this lesson, you can replay it online at thejourney.fm. Well, moments ago, Pastor Steve reminded us that the freedom to make wise and thoughtful choices is a wonderful gift and it comes from the knowledge and application of God's wisdom through His Word. And that's why every day on The Journey, we dedicate ourselves to spreading the gospel to people worldwide via radio and the internet so that they can gain an understanding of Jesus Christ and live a life that's pleasing to Him. And when you make a generous gift of any amount to this ministry, it will help us reach even more people through this Bible teaching program. So would you help us? You can give by calling 844 7 journey. That's 
888-888-8763 or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you a book called Decision Making and the Will of God, a biblical alternative to the traditional view. In this book, author Gary Friesen tackles the very practical issues of choosing a mate, picking a career, giving, and more. It's a fresh and liberating approach to decision-making and the will of God. And you can request your copy along with your donation by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find helpful articles by Pastor Steve on topics like family, finances, and faith. So be sure to take advantage of these practical resources. Again, that's thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve continues today's message is titled, God's Will for My Life. Is it a secret? That's Wednesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.